Destiny 2's new expansion, Lightfall, breaks its own records. We have a brand new look at the highly anticipated Final Fantasy 16, and the Wii U slash 3DS's shops are closing soon. What does this mean for game preservation? All this and more on this week's episode of Checkpoint. And we are live. Welcome back, everybody, to Checkpoint, brought to you by Strictly Casual, your number one show, bringing you the important news and breaking down the biggest stories in the games industry. I'm one of your hosts, Vincent DeSantis, joined today, as always, by James Walmer. James, how you doing? Doing great today. Good. Fantastic. Audio listeners, Beautiful day. thank you so much for hanging out with us and listening on your audio platforms. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash strictly casual please hit us with a rating on audio platforms and subscribe it helps us out a lot uh we are still doing last of us streams we did not do one last week but we will continue doing those for the last two episodes of the show as well as writers dropping a creed review he was able to see it early um so he's dropping that today and that's it that's all i can think about going on in the channel let's get into the big cool new yeah real quick crazy thing is there's a there's an ad block on the corner of broadway and lafayette Okay. In New York, and they—it's Calvin Klein. Oh, it's Calvin Klein uh, advertisement, huge. Yeah. And they put up one of Michael B. Jordan wearing Calvin Klein boxers. Yeah, hot as hell. Sure, dude's looking great. As he is. Um, and I'm like, oh, maybe it's because of Creed three dropping. Maybe they were doing the little cross posting, trying to get some extra yeah. traction for Creed three. Michael B. Jordan Michael B. Jordan. X Creed X Calvin Klein. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, if you're in New York. And you're on Broadway and Lafayette. Oh, I thought you were going to go with the story like it wasn't for Creed. It was for something else and like something surprising. Oh, I've, I have no idea what it was for. <laughs> I just know it's a Calvin Klein ad, but yeah. I'm thinking maybe they're doing some cross marketing. There. Probably. Definitely. He's everywhere because yeah. he's like directing this and starring in this. It's pretty crazy. Oh, shit. I didn't know he was directing. Yeah. For his first directing gig ever. So. Whoa, his directorial debut. Yeah. Congratulations, Michael B. Jordan. We shall see. I'm excited to see that this weekend. Uh, I saw Cocaine Bear last night. It was something. Dude, I saw Cocaine Bear. Yeah? Last weekend. I thought I'd give it like a six. I think it's a pretty good time. I had I had a lot of good laughs. A lot of good laughs. I did have a lot of good laughs. Let me jump right in to our first story of the day, and that is Destiny 2 reaches an all-time Steam player record after Lightfall launches, which is awesome to see. This is from GamesRadar. The Destiny 2 Lightfall expansion launched just a few hours ago. This is yesterday or two days ago now, uh, and even with the early server troubles, the game quickly reached over 300,000 concurrent players. The first time the game has crossed that threshold in 3.5 years it's been on the Valve platform. As of writing, there are 316,000 players in game on Steam as Steam DB shows. Destiny 2 migrated from Battle.net launcher over to Steam while the game went free-to-play back in 2019, for the record being 292,000. So not a huge jump, but 30,000 people jump. But with the new expansions, pretty cool. Um... Pretty awesome. Uh, Destiny 2 tends to have bigger peaks and peaks and valleys than many other live games, with tons of players dropping in to see new expansion, then dropping off quickly as the game settles into its regular rotation of seasonal content. We'll see enough how the live patterns shake out post Lightfall. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about what that might look like for Lightfall, and because Lightfall is doing a lot of quality life improvements in addition tons. to yeah. doing overall like story and gameplay mechanics, like mm -hmm. it's taking out a lot of out a lot of grindy things. Yeah. Um, and that's like the big thing is just you don't have to do as much to get 
right. the same amount. Yeah, they're cutting currencies out, combining how those work. So playing one thing might progress you in a lot of areas instead of just being playing something and only progressing in one area, which is huge because there's a couple things that I don't really enjoy doing in Destiny repeatedly and other things that I love doing repeatedly in Destiny. So this is great. Um, it's interesting. After So the first two days of Lightfall, the consensus seems to be that the new location is fantastic everybody loves the neon city with wow. the verticality and stuff like that mm -hmm. um but the story does not hold up to the witch queen because wow. the witch queen was like praised as like destiny's best story best mechanics like the most solid 10 missions they've ever released that sort of thing and oh this one apparently is not hitting that bar i'm only two that missions in three missions in so i can't really speak on how i feel about that yet uh but that's kind of a bummer for me especially how, with how awesome the new location is. Um, mm -hmm. The new subclass Strand, people are loving it uh, with oh. the campaign and stuff, but they felt like the campaign is like an introduction to the subclass and less of like Destiny as a whole mm. story, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And people are worried that that's just going to develop over the seasons instead of being the meat in the expansion, um, which is totally fair. But it seems like people are having a good time with it. I'm having a great time with it. I cannot wait to play more uh the new characters are fun that they've introduced and yeah i'm i'm loving it loving it cool tell me about community morale how are people feeling about it yeah i think well this is what i was reading about on twitter and stuff all day yesterday and today is there there's the people that grind the story out in like a day right they're playing back to back right. like 12 hours just trying to knock it out um and those people all say that the campaign felt rushed to them story-wise. And I'm like, maybe it's because you played them all back-to-back -back in like 12 mm. hours. I don't really know. Like, it's too early for anybody to have final thoughts on it because it's only been out for like two days. But overall, I think a lot of people that ha are jumping in for the first time, it seems like they're off on a good start. I was watching some okay. big streamers play that I've never played. And of course, they have to hop into that like new light mission you know that's like here's your ghost here's your first gun that sort of thing and then after that they can kind of go right to the expansion like they don't have to oh, like wow. you can just start playing it because they have a nice little guide of like what you what you should do to get there right away instead of like yeah. guessing on how to try mm -hmm. to do it and i think getting rid of that element of guessing is really good for the new player or the returning player it's i think that's huge yeah when i when i hopped in a few i don't know a few months ago maybe yeah. six months eight months ago I remember there was a brief time I was telling you about it. Anyway, I jumped in. I started a new character because I was mm -hmm. like, all right, like I think a hunter would be better for solo play. So I think I'm just going to do that for now. While I don't have like people to run stuff with consistently. So I did. And it's just like they blast you with so much shit yeah. right out the gate. They blast you with so much shit. There's like 20,000 little things that pop up on your screen. Like Everybody's so many quests. About that, like, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I yeah. have no idea where to go. Mm -hmm. Um. And so, like, it sounds like they're really mitigating, like, all of that to give you yeah. maybe, like, one direction to go to. Like, say, I, okay, like, this is your boom, boom, boom. You're going to do this, and then you're going to do I'm not that. ready to say that they've completely 100% fixed it in that sense. Mm -hmm. I think it's much better than it was. I have not gone through the entire process as, like, you know, starting a new character and trying it. So, I don't really know. And I'm skewed because I know where all the destinations are. So, it's, like, easier for right. me to know. I would be curious. I mean... From what I saw, like I was watching Tim the Tatman play because I, I enjoy his streams every once in a while. And I was like, oh, he's jumping into Lightfall. He's never played Destiny before. Like, let's see how that experience is for him. Is he just going to get frustrated and go back to Warzone right away or whatever? But I mean, after a little while, he had it successful. He's playing with friends and stuff that might have been helping him out a little bit, which is, I mean, Destiny's always more fun with friends. So that's like a big, right. big piece of that too. But um, 
I don't know. I'd be curious to hear more thoughts down the line about how it's helping, but I think it's too early to tell. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so far, tons of fun. I am very excited to play more of this. The new like weapon subclass or the weapon subclass is also strand. So there's new weapons for it. And the armor sets are really cool this season. So um, I can't wait to unlock those. It's going to be awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Moving on. James, you want to intro this one? I will start the clip in ready. Uh, are we just starting with the, these taglines or are we start starting with, with new final fantasy 16 that? Yeah. Gotcha. All right. In three, two, one, go for it. We have new Final Fantasy 16 info and some early impressions. This comes from, uh, I don't know, Twitter Roundup. We got a bunch of people. Yeah. This specific tweet comes from at Rhino the Bouncer saying, we have new Final Fantasy 16 info. Stories like 35 hours. It's a dark RPG with great action, semi-open world, unique characters with their own stories, 11 plus hours of cinematics, no loading, 30 frames per second and 60 frames per second mode. I assume that's graphics and performance. Yep. There's a demo plan around two weeks before the launch, and there's supposed to be seamless game to cinematic transition. This um, is big. We had a bunch huge. of gaming journalists fly out to Japan um, to get their hands on with the game, and uh, they were able to tell about almost everything that they played. They were able to play a couple hours worth of the game that was focused mo- mainly on combat. And they said the story was like parsed a little thin because they really wanted to put them in a bunch of different scenarios where they'd be using all their abilities and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But the everybody has really positive things Everybody to say about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a great jumping on point for new Final Fantasy players. It's a story you don't have to be familiar with anything else to, to do. Um, the combat is comparative to a lot of other games. There's They're really focusing on the story and just I, I'm very excited for Final Fantasy 16, dude. Everything I'm seeing about it is like so exciting. Um, yeah, I've heard comparisons like this one has Jeff Grubb comparing the combat to Devil May Cry meets God of War. Polygon said the whole game is like Devil May Cry meets like Game of Thrones, oh, which is really crazy yeah. and talking about the game's politics and like how character relations are going to be. It's just shaping up to be a really solid experience for new and returning Final Fantasy players. I've since seen some pushback on the 11 plus hours of cinematics. And then I saw Gene Park tweet out like, hold your horses, everyone. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 had like 20 hours of cinematics. Yeah, who cares, so, dude? I'll be watching yeah, this. Yeah, calm joking. down. Uh, but I think like the story at 35 hours is a great... Like, yeah. That's like the perfect sweet right. spot of not too long... Um, I love the fact that it's a semi-open world where you have, yeah. I think that kind of, I I think of God of War when I hear that because yeah. you are going through linear sections, but then you also have moments when you can go out and explore, but for the most part, it's taken you along. I, I think that a semi-open world is much, not easier to do than an open world, but more focused in, than an open world. Whereas an open world, they have to tell you to go I to I think the it places. is easier to do. Yeah, but the semi-open I think it world is like, like you want it's easier to, to succeed, I think. Sure. Yeah. Like I think open world has like it's so much harder to actually succeed in. Yeah. Because it just has such a big scope and it's really hard to do. So it, when developers do do it right, it's really great. But I think it's a different type of game experience yeah. entirely than a story driven game like a Final Fantasy 16 or God of War or any of these other games with like semi open yeah. worlds. It's they lose focus. Right. Yeah. Um one other thing that is was hugely noted within all the stuff that we've seen so far is 
kaiju battles in which you play as clive which is still such a funny name to me to have your final fantasy 16 character but um he can turn into one of the gods which is an uh econ i think that's what they call him um icon icon and so it's icon versus icon and you become it and it just looks insane the scale of it they released like maybe 30 seconds of what that gameplay looks like and it looks nuts i am very excited to do that as well i'm very very excited for the kaiju battles i mean in the gameplay we're seeing like full-size scale like wars here like i it just looks really good everything i've seen there's a lot of scale to this game in terms of like what you're actually doing within the narrative sense right the bigger things it just feels very big and not in a way that i think we've seen in a really long time i think we're used to seeing scale in terms of like we're gonna make a game world that's like that big and you can go here and do there but like we haven't seen scale in focused encounters where like whole like big scale engagements where you're a small part of a very big thing going on right it's so exciting uh this is also new news is that well we already knew it was going to be a playstation exclusive but it sounds like it will be exclusive to PlayStation for six months, and then it will come to PC and Xbox. Uh, and then there was more details on how it was built uh, specifically for PlayStation, and then will be ported okay. to PC and Xbox instead of usually made for PC ported to PlayStation, you know, and Xbox, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, so that's exciting. If you have a PlayStation 5, I don't believe this is coming to PlayStation 4. I think you have to have a PlayStation 5 to play it, um, almost certain. Mm. So. I'm glad we're there, to be honest. I'm glad we're there, too. I'm glad we're finally at the hardware cutoff. It is, yeah, it's getting there. Um, Mm -hmm. That's pretty much all we have on Final Fantasy 16. There's tons of gameplay that you can go check out if you would like to watch it, or if you're kind of like me, I don't really want to see too much. I want to see a little bit to get excited, but I don't want to see everything yet. Uh, The game will launch sometime in the summer, I believe. Uh, Yeah, and if you want to know everything else about Final Fantasy 16, you can say right here at Strictly Casual. If you want to listen to this entire podcast episode, You can go on audio platforms and type in Strictly Casual Checkpoint. This is episode 151. Uh, Or you can become a member and watch the entire podcast here on YouTube. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace out. Bam. Fun clip. 3DS. 3DS. 3DS and the Wii U eShop are closing soon. I feel like we've been talking about this for a while. I think the 3D, like the 3DS eShop, wasn't that closing like six months ago? I think they announced it six months ago, and now it's happening like next week or in okay. two weeks. Or wow. Something. Okay. March 27th, 2023. This comes from Screen Rant. Will mark the end of an era when it will no longer be possible to purchase digital games through the Nintendo 3DS and Wii U eShops. Both consoles are over a decade old, and as disheartening as it is to see them go, the virtual shop shutting down is part of the software software life cycle. Both are succeeded by Nintendo's versatile Switch. You know the Switch. I'm not going to say it's a hybrid console <laughs> used as both. Anyway, all I have to say, it's a great time right now to buy Nintendo games before the eShop closes. Some, on- some online features for Nintendo's aging 3DS and Wii U consoles, however, will remain active even after the eShop finally closes its doors. Players still have access to uh, activate online game services like Pokemon Bank after the 3DS store closes. Software updates for any games that still receive them or players who have waited to download them will still be available. And since the 3DS isn't known for ample storage capacity, any games that players deleted to make room will remain available for re-download even after March 27th. Yeah. But right now, this is a bad outlook for game preservation. Most 3DS and Wii U games haven't been ported to new consoles, and although Nintendo has made older games available on the Switch, their efforts to date have mainly been focused on even older consoles like the NES, Super Nintendo, and N64. Players who want to expand their Nintendo 3DS and Wii U libraries have limited the time to do so while they can. 
game preservation. This leads to the topic of game preservation as a whole. Sure. What's the state of it? It's looking a little fragile right now, especially with an entire shop closing down. People are really concerned about being able to keep their games. And it sounds like they'll be able to keep their games yeah. that they've already downloaded, but they won't have access to the games that they would have been able to. So this entire library of games you could have access to on a digital platform won't be available anymore. Wait. Causing. No. They will be available like you, if you buy you, them. No, if you buy them. Oh, but if yeah. you do not buy them, you won't be able to buy them anymore, which means there's now even more scarcity for these games. Yes. Um, making uh, physical titles even more valuable yep. because you can't get the digital alternative. I believe which, that we For are... collectors, this might be a good thing. For collectors... Sure. And to be honest, like let's be real. This has been the case all the way up until the digital era. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Games go out of print. It's just going... Yeah, games go out of print. They aren't going to keep manufacturing yeah. Super Mario World or mario 64 i think we're in a better spot right now than we've been for game preservation in a long time with with nintendo yeah like even doing the nes super nintendo n64 like all those things plus uh like xbox saying that you can play some of the older games via backwards compatibility on their consoles and playstation introducing some ps1 things to the catalog it's not perfect i think there's better ways that everybody can be doing it um looking at you playstation you gotta do more (laughs) please yeah uh yeah but like we are in a place where like i can open my switch and play link to the past like that's pretty cool that's pretty cool that's pretty cool um and there's little things like that that are fantastic but it's i want to own them like I, I think these should still be sold if you have the power to emulate these games on your console you should have that digital library but also like even digital mm. games is like you don't even really own the games yeah, I I agree with you. Yeah. But I don't think it's enough of a I think with if they from a marketing perspective, if they do that, there is not a as much of a draw to subscribe to these services that they want more subscribers. Right. To. It sucks that these services rely on emulation or backwards games. Like that's I feel like there should be more right. features. I mean, I think it's just an opportunity. Like it's just Right. It's that's more it. features, it's an opportunity for like if it serves a particular niche. To be honest, like I don't think majority of gamers want to play no. those old games. True. Yeah. And so I think if you like that's a very it's a more exclusive niche. And if you want to be a part of that, like I think I think the vast majority of those people who care about that will be willing to pay that extra money for the premium tier. I know people who do. Yeah. I know a friend of mine who loves playing old PS3 PS2 games, so he plays who he pays for PlayStation Premium because right. he really cares about that. Yeah. Whereas I don't like I don't like old games as much, and so I'm less likely to like. That's the thing is I'm in the position where I'm like, yeah, I want the one or two, but overall I'm not that upset about it because like if I wanted yeah. those, if I want access to those games, I would just pay for like a month of the service and play those yeah. for the month and then be done. Yeah. And that would probably like I don't know maybe be cheaper. Right. Then if I have like access to a multitude of those classic games within that month, two months, rather than yeah. paying $12, $20 a piece for like three games that I play for like, I don't right. know, a month accumulatively across the couple titles. I think that Switch is in a harder position than uh, Xbox and PlayStation, whereas Xbox and PlayStation have had discs since they've began uh, or begun. And they can just like, you can just, in theory, be able to put a PlayStation 1 disc that you have into a PlayStation 5 and play it versus 
uh, Nintendo, which has switched cartridges and this and that over time, they're right. different. It's not like you can put, it's not like you can come out with a switch that has a spot for all those cartridges or something, but I guess more than being able to buy a digital game or play a digital game, I want to see the ability to play the games that you already own on like current gen software. I think obviously that backwards compatibility is something on a lot of people's wish list, but I think it's important for like keeping those games in conversation because like there are games now that get talked about that are very hard to play. Like I, like some of the best games of all time, some of them are in this category of like even if you have it, own it physically, it's hard to play if your con if that console's like dead or like cannot turn on or like right. digitally. You can't buy it on Steam, you can't buy it on any of the stores. You're gonna have to like watch a video on it or find an emulator to do it and stuff like that. Um, Which and I that's, think is on, I like that's on the distributor. Like that's on the like yeah. for not making them available. That's via, what like, I'm looking to platform. improve more than just giving the yeah. digital games away or not giving them away, but like making them available. I think. Like you want to see them, you want to see the developers or sorry the menu or the. Um, distributors put them on digital platforms no i'm saying like i would love playstation to come out and say you can put a ps2 disc in your ps5 now and play it fantastic that's what i want it's a game that i already own that i'm not able to play anywhere else like that sort of thing see i think i think that market is even smaller than people who would want to buy it probably because they don't own the games you know what i mean like with, right. with no one owns those games anymore yeah. unless they like I don't know, get them from their old parents' house. Right. I mean, but this is whatever. like, you know, the analog pocket? I think the analog pocket. One yeah. of these handhelds that came out is you, it doesn't have games on it. You put your original like cartridges, your Game Boy cartridges and stuff on that to play it. But it, mm -hmm. you, it relies on you already having that physical media or buying that physical media third hand, which is tough. I mean, there's no perfect way to do this. I just want more options for everybody. And if that be putting in the discs plus a digital offering, that's great. And I hope that's there. I just hope it's not closed behind these subscriptions. Are they not third party? Away. Are there not third party consoles that can do that? I'm sure there are. That's a good, that's a good, uh, like put in a there are like PS1 old, disc. Like they're there. old NES emulators that do have like all the different cartridges and they're yeah. third party, but. Right, you know, it's it's different software, it's different yeah. UI, um, that are using like, you know, you can plug original controllers into to yeah. do the same thing. It feels so. like this like preservation in general is on people's minds more than it has been, like in the last ten years or so. Yeah, maybe I'm just more aware of it. I think it's with the closing of these shops for sure. Yeah, um, we've seen a lot of like because we're seeing that kind of first digital era of games start to close out right? Um, and have really hard doors be shut against that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's tough for people to see because it feels like they're losing a part of their yeah. childhood. It feels like they're losing a part of, you know, access to something they have a lot of nostalgia for. Yeah. Um, which is totally understandable, you it's know? It's very, very interesting stuff. Um. Mm -hmm. I want to bring up one more topic before we close the show off. And that is yeah. that the Olympics have announced that esports will be a part of the next Olympics. And there are three games, three games that will be competed for on a international level now, which is pretty crazy. Whoa. And you're not going to believe them. One of them, I believe. And the other two, I'm like, really? Or the other one, I'm like, really? This is one of the ones that we're going to be competing with, like as a country against other countries for this game. And Hit me. number one, Gran Turismo. That's awesome. That is Whoa. awesome to me. Cool. Really cool. It'll be sim racing. Um, that'll be pretty cool. Number two, chess. 
they're calling chess and esports they're putting in the esports uh thing which is okay interesting too and the final one just dance <laughs> i shit you not that is real see this is like i hate this because these are just all adaptations of things that already exist in mm. the world yeah like you don't have to have chess as an esport to have chess in the olympics oh there's you don't no have to but yeah keep going you don't have to have just dance to have dancing be a sport in the Olympics. You don't yeah. have to have Gran Turismo. I mean, like Gran Turismo makes it easier to have racing in the Olympics because cars and because tracks and things like that yeah. it makes it less expensive. Mm-hmm. But again, like I feel like like just racing is a sport. Yeah, I would agree. Racing is I let's add let's add Olympic racing. Like that would be awesome. That would be fucking it's awesome. It's the best I've drivers. Seeing, in... I've been watching the F1. Have you really? I have. I've been okay, watching... we got to talk about that after the episode. I'm so hooked, dude. It's just so good. Um, but can you imagine each country nominating their best driver to like go race? It would be so cool. It would be so cool. They race on the home track of wherever the Olympics is. Like their oh biggest Oh my track. God. That would be so awesome. The Olympics are so fun. I love the Olympics. I never watch them, but I just love the idea. Yeah. I mean, 2026, dude. LA Olympics. Yeah. That That's going to be the closest Oof. ever. I got to go. I feel like it's a once in a lifetime to go to an event at the Olympics. It is a once in a lifetime. Could be awesome. The other game that is available is not popular here in the States, but it is called um, Zwift. Zwift. And Zwift is a cycling esport. So just like you said, I'm I'm just pissed. I'm just pissed. Yeah, it's you're gonna, gonna be doing this on a stationary bike. So uh, this is already an Olympic sport yeah, too, is yeah. it not? I it would be. It says this involves an effort to strengthen the roles and responsibilities of international federations in establishing virtual and simulated forms of sports, such as discipline within their regulations and strategies. That's a whole big a hullabaloo. Uh, the idea is to make the bridge between sports and the gaming space, uh, said the head of IOC's head of virtual don't... sport and gaming. Uh, what is I IOC? I think this is... I don't know what IOC it. is. Like, I don't think that is doing what they want it to do. The Olympic Esports Series 2023, creating more spaces to play for gamers, or for, oh, for both players and fans of elite competition. Uh, I just, it's so funny. I'm, I think it's cool to have esports in the Olympics. I think that that's awesome. But like, these feel like interesting choices where, as like, let's do a game that, like, Overwatch, for instance, I think would be a great That's Olympic what I thought. Esports. I thought, like, I did ask if you asked yeah. me to guess, I would have said Overwatch. This is saying there should be like League of Legends. You should have Smash Bros. Yep. If you're doing these Easily. like things that are not based on real things that you already have in the Olympics, but maybe. Right. Do you know what this maybe is? Maybe Valorant. James? This is probably an attempt for people that don't watch them to be like, oh, this is part of the Olympics, and this is racing, something that they might like, or this is cycling, something that they might like to like make them watch it first. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't see how that's more... Like, I don't get how you like... I don't understand how you get people who like the real-world equivalent versions of these things yeah. to watch the virtual versions because they're just not as exciting. Right. Yeah. You're right. Unless you're following an eSport professional or, like, a pro player, but nobody's jumping on sure. for the first time going to be rooting for a pro player. 
Mm-mm. And I couldn't tell you a single pro player in the GT scene. No way. Or the Just Dance scene, for that matter. What the hell is that, dude? I don't know. That, but, like, apparently, like, there must be some already, like, there must be something already there. No, there, there in is. In order, for, you know what I mean? In order for them to draw on that, or else they wouldn't have included it. I've been getting deep into the GT scene. This is a great transition to what we've been playing. Um, unless you have well, anything I have another to thing say. to bring up before. Oh, bring yeah, it up, bring it up. Uh, this is into review roundups, yeah. but... Remember that game, Wo Long Final De- Final or Fallen Dynasty? Yeah, you Chinese? played the demo. What? There's a demo, the demo came out? came out two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, Polygon released a review for it and gave it the Polygon recommends. That's great. I yeah. I I want to play the demo really bad. I just got to download it. And I do just it. I just saw it. I just did a final sweep of news, and um. I saw Gamespot giving an eight yeah. this morning as well. Gamespot giving an eight. Yeah, I think so. The little uh, graphic. Yeah. Intricate combat system, uh, equally a- evocative setting. Well, long journey. Well, long is a journey worth embarking on, even if it means devoting three more hours to your next boss fight. Sounds really interesting. Cool. Sounds really, really cool. I'll have to play the demo. Yeah. Anyway, let's go into uh, what we've been playing. Gran Turismo. So, it was my roommate's birthday this week. Uh, Brandon, happy birthday. A, he is a huge Gran Turismo fan, plays a lot of it. So, we all went in and got him. The racing wheel setup, the full like, the full force feedback wheel with the pedals oh God, and yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, and um, he has been gracious enough to let me start my own GT journey on his PlayStation upstairs, and oh my God, it is so. Fun. Does it really do it? It, does it really, really does it for me. Like it feels great. There's with the like, gear shifter. We don't have a gear shifter yet. That'll be a, a good add on. So right now I'm just playing with the paddle shifters on the um on the, on the steering, wheel. steering wheel which is fine for right now because mm-hmm. i already have a lot of assist things on it starts you off full assist and then as you do races you can start turning things off that you feel good at that i'm like now i'm feeling cool. like a lot more confident but it's like i grand turismo 7 reviewed very well and was very it's like a very good game and i've played some races on controller and i know it's good but then really putting the wheel on there is like game changer I it is I could sit there for hours. I really Holy really shit. could. It is Holy shit. So Can you imagine fun. playing with VR and the That's VR? That's what I'm the... thinking. I'm like, maybe we got to get a PSVR 2 for here, bro. Are you kidding me? You'd be locked in. Yeah, you would be not locked be able to in. Pull me away. You would not. Wow. It was so cool. So I That sounds playing, awesome. Like a lot of uh, afternoons after work call, you know, I'll walk uppstairs and Beats got the whole cockpit dealio out. I'm like, all right, let's see, let's see this happen. Let's go. Is it just like, is it just with his desk chair going on? Uh, well, we had it on the couch on the coffee table, but it was a little bit too much like bend over sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we took a couch cushion out. Now we sit down a little bit deeper. Like you feel like you're really in it. Put the cushion behind you, and then it feels like you have like a seat against you. It's awesome. It's so fun. Uh, yeah. It's wow. cool. I'll send you a photo. It's that super really fun. cool. Yeah. Um, so besides that, we do a couple races a night. Great time. Um, and I've been playing Destiny Lightfall, but we talked about Lightfall for a while. Um, I'll be playing yeah. this weekend. If anybody wants to hop cool. in with me, I'll be collecting all the regional chests this weekend to progress my quest steps. Can't wait. Have you been playing anything? Play a little bit of XCOM. Nice, dude. Getting back in the XCOM, it feels so good. It feels so fucking good. good. Oh my God. They, uh, I missed that game. Midnight Suns went on sale this week too. It's like thirty something bucks. Thirty five. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. I want to play it, but I'm I'm gonna wait for a steeper sale. I don't need to buy it right now. Yeah, sure, sure. I think it'll just continue to get steeper when it gets down to like twenty. Then I'll, I think that's my yeah cap. I'll buy it for twenty. Yeah, I, and I by then I think it might be PS Plus. Ooh, you think so? Maybe. Maybe. Battlefield's little... PS Plus right Holy now. Shit, I can't wait to re-download that. Yeah. It's Did they drop today? Uh, I think they drop on the third. But it'll probably be the best time to play because the servers will be absolutely jam-packed and full so, and with new players, so it won't be as sweaty. Because right now, you just have people Don't playing worry. for years that just like the pain of an okay game but that they're good at. So yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Super hard. Uh, yeah, that's all, right. that's all I got for you on this week's episode of Checkpoint, episode 151. One! It's like we're starting over. We're back at one. Might as well just call it Checkpoint, episode one now. Mm-hmm. Build up to another 150. Yep. Three years to, to 150. No, three more wow. years to 300. Wow. Golly. Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. James, any final words? Thank you so much. I got to go poop. All right. God bless it. Bye-bye, everybody.